podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. It is Monday. It is the 11th of September. I hope you're all well. The drastic heat seems to have gone away. It's a nice wet day here in rural Ireland, which is always nice. You know, we've got lots of lakes around. They produce lots of excess water. and just pisses back down on top of us. So, um... I didn't watch any football at all over the weekend. I watched a lot of rugby, didn't watch any football. Really enjoyed the Rugby World Cup games. And while most of you will not care, I'm going to give you a rundown on the results 
of this weekend's Rugby World Cup matches because why not? So, France beat New Zealand 27-13. France are one of the three teams I think can win this competition. Italy hammered Namibia 52-8. Both of those were expected results. Ireland demolished Romania 82-8. South Africa beat Scotland 18-3. Ireland and South Africa are the other two teams I think can win this competition. It's a little unfortunate that they're in the same group, but it is what it is. Australia beat Georgia 35-15, to and Wales were very, very fortunate to beat uh, Fiji. 32 to 26. And then finally in group D, England beat Argentina 27 to 10. They really did a good job at taking away Argentina's strengths, and Argentina were very sloppy. And Japan hammered Chile 42 to 12. I don't see a winner coming from pools C or D. Uh, pool C is, is quite weak. England should top that pool very, very easily. And then it's between Japan, Samoa and Argentina to finish second. Argentina will be very disappointed if it's not them. They are the strongest of the other three teams, but anything can happen. The top two advance to the knockout stage and qualify for the next World Cup. The team who finishes third doesn't advance, but does qualify for the World Cup. Uh, Pool C, if it's not Australian Wales that get through, I'll be stunned. Pool B, again, if it's not Ireland and South Africa, it'll be an enormous shock. And obviously in Pool A, France and New Zealand will be expected to advance. Uh, The next round of games are on the 16th and 17th. So looking forward to Ireland-Tonga. South Africa, Romania. Sorry, the next round of games actually start on the 14th and 15th. Uh, Sorry, 14th, 15th, 16th and 17th. So on the 14th, it is France against Uruguay. The 15th has New Zealand, Namibia. The 16th has Ireland, Tonga and Wales, Portugal. And then the 17th will have South Africa, Romania, Australia, Fiji, and England, Japan. So tough test for England. Getting the getting the two tougher teams in their group out of the way early. Uh, should England win their group, they would play the runner-up in Pool C, who are most likely to be the Welsh. Um, this draw has really hit the teams, the three best teams. France, Ireland, and South Africa, because two of them will meet in a quarterfinal where realistically all three of them would have made the semifinals had the draw broken differently. But it didn't, so it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this World Cup. I really am. The Rugby World Cup, to me, the calibre of play is superior to the Football World Cup. And France is pretty good for hosting tournaments. They've got great stadiums. 
they do have questionable infrastructure in terms of policing and stuff like that. But look, it is it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, very very excited to continue to watch this tournament. Um, Ireland ran amok over Romania, ran amok, and it should they should easily have scored a hundred points. They should easily have scored a hundred points, uh, but they were brilliant uh, and. I thought France were were exceptional against against New Zealand, and I thought South Africa just looked like the team who are going to going to roll through. Now, what I will say is, and again, none of you care about this because most of you are not here to listen to me talk about rugby. Uh, most of you may not have any interest or any clue about rugby. What I will say is, South Africa contractually cannot win this World Cup. I now I don't make the rules; I'm just here to enforce them. So. We had World Cups in 87, won by New Zealand, 91, won by Australia, and South Africa won the third one in South Africa. 95, great World Cup. It was almost the welcoming back of South Africa to the world after the apartheid and all that kind of stuff. They win the third World Cup, right? Just keep that in mind. They win the third World Cup. That's 95. In 99, the Aussies win the World Cup. In 03, England win the World Cup. In 07, South Africa win the World Cup. The sixth World Cup, South Africa wins that one, having won the third one. That's 07. In 2011, New Zealand win. In 2015, New Zealand win. And in 2019, South Africa win. The ninth World Cup. So they won the third, the sixth, and the ninth World Cups. So they can't win it again until the 12th World Cup. That's just how it is for them. They are legally not allowed to win this World Cup. You can win the 12th one. Someone else has to win this one. Someone else will win the next one. And then you're going to win the one after that in 2031. That's your next World Cup. Every 12 years, you win the World Cup. That's how it is. 95, 07, 2019, 2031 is your next World Cup. So Ireland or France should win this World Cup. Uh, On to football. And um, today we are predicting this season's Premier League. So as I was doing this, I was kind of breaking teams up into groups, you know, like teams that I think can get a top four finish. And I have I have seven teams that I think could finish in the top set, top four. I've got a fairly, what I think is a fairly nailed on top ten. Then I've got a group of four that I think won't make the top half, but won't be in the relegation battle. I've got three that I think will be in a relegation battle, but will survive. And then I've got three that I think will go down. So how this is shaken out, my top four, what I finally zeroed in on for my top four, I've got Manchester City winning the league for the fourth time in a row. And I think they'll do it fairly comfortably. In second place, I've got Arsenal. 
finished second last year, spent 200 million. If they don't finish second, this season is a failure for them unless they win the European Cup or at least get to the final. So I've got Arsenal in second. I've got Liverpool third. I've got Spurs fourth. Now, the other three teams I had down that I think could make top four, I've got Newcastle, I've got Manchester United, and I've got Brighton. I think Europa League football will put too much of a strain on the Brighton squad. I think Champions League football will put too much of a strain on the Newcastle squad. And I actually just think United will find new and exciting ways to make an absolute mess of it. And I think Spurs with no European football at all, already out of the League Cup, can now focus completely on the Premier League until January when the FA Cup starts up. And the FA Cup doesn't really hamper the schedule too much. So I've got City, I've got Arsenal, I've got Liverpool and I've got Spurs and they're my top four. I've got Newcastle finishing fifth. I've actually got Villa finishing sixth. Now I know they've got Conference League. And I know I didn't name them in the teams that I think can get top four because I don't think they can get top four. But I think the Conference League is easier because, let's be fair, you're playing against teams that if your reserves can't beat them, you should probably be putting all of them on the transfer market come January. So I think Villa have an easier path. Now, they've had a weird start to the season. They've been demolished a couple of times. They've done a bit of demolishing. They've looked good. They've looked bad, but I do think Emery will get it right. I think there's enough talent in that squad. I've got them finishing sixth. In seventh, I've got United. In eighth, I've got Brighton. In ninth, I've got Chelsea. And tenth, I've got West Ham. The reason I've got Chelsea over West Ham is they don't have Europe. So even though they've had a horrendously poor start to the season and West Ham have had a very good start, I do think Chelsea, just with the sheer strength and numbers that they've got, they'll find the right mix. They'll get Nkunku back. They'll get Reese James back. And I think they'll find enough of a mix to start picking up points and moving in the right direction. I think Pochettino's a good manager. I've got Chelsea ninth, West Ham 10th. So the top 10, once again, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, Newcastle, Villa, United, Brighton, Chelsea, and West Ham. In 11th, and I think they're in a tier by themselves. I think they're very unlucky to miss out in the top half. And I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in the top half. I've got Brentford. It is a little step back for them based on last year. But no Ivan Tony. I do think they're going to at times miss him quite a lot. They struggled for goals last year with him. I, I think they'll have problems this season as well. 
Then I've got three that I think won't finish top half, but won't be in the relegations uh, battle. And I'm talking by 10 games to go. I think they're either out of it, like out of the battle at that point, they're going to be safe, or they, within two to three games, ensure that they're not going to be in that mix. And those clubs are Palace, Forest, and Bournemouth. And I've got them in that order. So I've got Palace 12th, Forest 13th, and I've got Bournemouth finishing 14th. Then I've got my six that I think could go down. I do think there are six clubs that could go down. However, I do think there's two that are not nailed on. Because I... I said that about Bournemouth last season and was obviously completely wrong. But I would be shocked if these teams stayed up, and that's Luton and Sheffield United. I just don't think they've got enough quality. I've got Luton finishing 20th and Sheffield United finishing 19th. So then it's one from four to go with them. I've got Wolves, I've got Fulham, I've got Burnley, and I've got Everton. And I, right now, I think Everton are the one that go. You look at the squads and how they're made up. And I think Everton, as things stand, are the most likely to go. But Fulham are losing Joe Polina in January. So much of their outcome depends on how they go about replacing him. Now, come January, they're also going to need to buy a striker. Because this Raul Jimenez nonsense is not going to work for a full Premier League season. So I've got Fulham finishing 17th. I've got Burnley finishing 16th. I know they've had a tough start. I think company will get it right. And I've got Wolves finishing 15th. And that's what I have. City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs. Newcastle, Villa, United, Brighton, Chelsea, West Ham, Brentford, Palace, Forest, Bournemouth, Wolves, Burnley, Fulham, Everton, Sheffield United, and Luton Town. And that's how I see the Premier League playing out this year. I can't wait to be completely wrong about this. Somebody is going to be much better than we expected, and and thus far it is West Ham. And somebody is going to be a lot worse than expected. And it happens every single year. Right now it's Newcastle, obviously. But you do have to factor in, they've had the toughest start by quite a margin. And I do think they improved a lot over the summer. And I do think they're going to be fine. Someone else will have a bit of a fall from grace. Now, I do have Brighton dropping from 6th to 8th. I have United, obviously, dropping from 3rd. They finished 3rd last year? 4th. They finished 4th. Didn't they beat Newcastle with 3rd? Um, or was it even? I, I can't really. I can't even remember already. Let's have a look. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, Newcastle finished fourth. So I've only got Newcastle dropping off by one place. I've got United dropping four spots to seven. 
I've got City the same, Arsenal the same, Liverpool up two spots, which I think is fair. Spurs, I've got them jumping four places from last year. I've got Villa actually going up a spot from seventh last year to sixth this year. United, like I say, dropping four spots into seventh. Brighton dropping two spots from sixth to eighth. I've got Chelsea climbing three spots from 12th to 9th. West Ham going from 14th to 10th. Brentford dropping two spots, 9th to 11th. Uh, Palace, I have staying in the same spot. No, drop, dropping one spot from 11th to 12th. Nottingham Forest going from 16th to 13th. Bournemouth, 15th to 14th. Wolves, 13th to 15th. Fulham, 10th to 17th. So that's a, that is a big drop. But you lost Mitrovic. You're going to lose Joe Polina. It's just how it has to be. Uh, sorry, I missed Burnley. They've come new into the, into the division, obviously. Um, I've got Everton going 17th to 18th, and then Sheffield United and Luton new in as well. I think they they go down. Manager of the year. Based on that, I think we'll have to go to Postacoglu. If he takes Spurs from 8th to 4th, I think he has to get manager of the year. First manager fired. <clears throat> Now, if we consider that last season, by this point, which is the 11th of September, we had already said goodbye to Scott Parker, uh, Scotty Twocoats, who has since been sacked by Club Bruges, having lasted, I believe, 12 games? Yeah, 12 games. Two wins, six draws, four defeats. Uh, not, Not a great... Track record has has a two coats, um, and we'd said farewell to Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. Brighton had said goodbye to Graham Potter, who went to Chelsea, and were in the process of hiring Roberto De Zerbi, who was hired on the eighteenth of um, September. So two clubs had already made a change, and one was beginning the process of looking for a change by this point last season. Then in October, we saw both Bruno Lage and Steven Gerrard removed. Thus far, thus far, there have been no firings. Obviously, Jean Lopetegui left just before the season began to be replaced by Gary O'Neill. I think the first manager fired I hate to say it because I do like him. I think it's going to be Sean Dyche. I do think it's going to be Sean Dyche. And I think he's a good manager. I just I just think that club is a little bit toxic right now. And I don't think Dyche is very good at the politics side of things. He's brash, he's outspoken. He says what he means, and he means what he says. There's no BS with Sean Dyche. And unfortunately, 
I'm not sure that will play well with the softer souls who run Everton Football Club. And when, look, they're going to have to have some sort of sit-down soon enough. We're four games in and they've won zero. They've taken one point and they've lost two fairly favourable games at home. And if we look at their fixtures, it's not exactly an easy run. They're home to Arsenal, away to Brentford. That's two very tough games. Then they get Luton at home, and that's a must win. If they don't win that one, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired after it. After that, they get Bournemouth home. Then they go Liverpool away, West Ham away, Brighton home, Palace away, and then United home. So after the Luton game, I don't know that I fancy them to take more than maybe three points before they play United at home from five games. So if they, let's say they were to beat Luton and let's say they take three points from those, they'll have seven points. They'll be 12 games in. There's a two-week gap between Palace and United. So there's another gap where they could replace him. I think Sean Dyche is first manager fired. I hope I'm wrong because I do like Sean Dyche. I think he gets a bad rap at times. It's just not working at Everton. But nothing has worked at Everton for a very, very long time. Nothing has worked there since Moyes. And I know that they'll say, oh, well, Carlo did well. Did he, though? Did he really do well? Because I don't think he did well. I think he did okay. But, you know, you look at Moyes left in 2013 after 11 years in the job. It hasn't even been 11 years since he left. Martinez, Kuman, Allardyce, Silva, Ancelotti, Benitez, Lampard, and Dyche. We're on manager number seven. And there were four caretakers. Now, two of them were Big Dunk, and two of them were David Unsworth. But manager number seven in 10 years. Moyes was there 11 years. To go back, seven managers starting with Moyes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're at Howard Kendall's original run, which began in 1981. I tell a lie. I tell a lie. We start with Colin Harvey in 87, who replaced Howard Kendall. Harvey himself was then replaced again by Kendall, who'd come back for a third bite at it in the late 90s. But Everton are approaching 30 years. Like, the end of the season, that'll be 29 years with no silverware. 29 years with nothing. Nothing. 
they're one of the biggest clubs in the country. And I know other clubs have gone long stretches. Newcastle, for example, haven't won anything since the 50s. But Newcastle didn't have that level of success that Everton did. Newcastle were never consistently one of the better teams in the country. Everton were. In the 60s and early 70s, they were outstanding under Harry Catterick. In the 80s, they were the second best team in the country, maybe the second best team in Europe for a stretch, behind Liverpool. Two league titles, FA Cup, Cup Winners Cup. All they've won since, all they've won since is the FA Cup in 1995. Another one, they won the Charity Shield the same year. Nobody cares. Like, that's one FA Cup since the last league title they won was 1987. But 29 years, there's an entire generation of people Evertonians walking around who are 28 years of age and have never seen their team win a trophy. They're Everton Football Club. It's a scandal what's been done to them. And I know they've got the stadium to look forward to. But I've said this before. The best thing that could actually happen to that club is they get relegated, Mashiri pisses off, someone buys him out, and they just completely gut the, gut the squad, gut everything. And they start over and they build back up. And even if it takes two years to get out of the championship, you come back up with a clean slate and you can start to actually build from there. And you get rid of all the high-earning, underperforming dross that doesn't care about the football club. And you build a club in the manner of Everton Football Club. You build a club, you build a club that deserves to be called Everton Football Club. And unfortunately, I don't think Sean Dyche could be the manager to do it. So yeah, Sean Dyche, first manager fired. Player of the year. I don't think he was the best player in the country last season. I don't think he'll be the best player in the country this season. But I do think Erling Haaland is going to win player of the season again. Because he's going to score a boatload of goals. And because most people only watch highlights, they'll look at it and go, oh, well, he must have been brilliant. 36 goals in 35 games last season. That means he was incredible. Scored in every game. He must have been brilliant. He wasn't. There's 20 stinkers in that 35 games. Just because he scored a goal or two in a game doesn't mean he played well. Watch games without goals and you see how a player has really played. You see how a team has really played. You see the actual match. If you watch a game without the goals, you get a far better picture of what has taken place. He's got six already this season. It's it's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. But yeah, Erling Haaland to win player of the season. Young player of the season. I'm quite excited for. I think there's... I think there's a couple of options. So I'm fairly certain 
I'm fairly certain Gabriel Martinelli counts as a young player for this year. And if he does, yeah, he does. He does. Because Haaland is almost exactly a year older than him. There's like, I think it's 11 months. And Haaland would have counted this past season. So Martinelli can for next season. I think Martinelli is a real contender. Now, Bikayo Saka could go back to back. There's no doubt. But I think Martinelli can be a big contender. I was looking at Enciso and thinking it could be him. But I don't know the severity of the injury. Um, I generally would use PremierInjuries.com for injury updates. And they say the potential return is the 25th of November. But some people have suggested that it's an Achilles, or that it's a a patella tendon injury. If it's a patella tendon tear, that's him out for the year, and next season's going to be a slog from to try and get back to his best level. Evan Ferguson, though, is a real contender to win Young Player of the Year this year. And he might get a lot of buzz behind him because he's a big number nine. Chelsea have 400 players who could win it. I don't think any of them will. Depending how he comes back from the injury, Michael Elise is a name to keep an eye on. Rico Lewis, if he plays enough for City, because they'll win a lot and he'll be on TV a lot, he could be an option. But I'm going to go for Evan Ferguson as Young Player of the Year. Because, again, as with Haaland, even if he doesn't play well, but he scores, people are going to think, just assume that he's played well. So those are basically my predictions for the season. My league table, my manager of the year, my first manager fired, my player of the year, my young player of the year. Now on to... Other competitions. So the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Europa Conference League. I think Silverware is coming back to Villa Park. I have them winning the Conference League. I think Liverpool will win the Europa League and finally complete the set under Klopp. And in the Champions League, I just don't see anyone stopping City. I don't see anyone stopping them. So I've gone for City to win the Champions League. Um, to me, they just look like a class above everybody else. When I look at the other leagues around Europe... Bayern, they came close to really pulling off a brilliant summer if they'd landed Joe Polina and been able to land Armel Belakotchup. Both of those deals fell through. Now, Belakotchup's gone on loan, so that's him off the radar for them for this season. But they'll go back for Polina in January. If they add him then, they'll have a chance because they've got a ton of attacking talent, obviously centred around Harry Kane, and Jamal Musiala. 
the defense would give me some concern, but if it's if it's Mazrawi, Kim, either Delict or Upamecano, neither of whom are nearly as good as people think they are, and then Davies, that could be pretty strong, especially if Nauer is back and able to play. Then you go Polina and Kimmich in front of that, Musiala as the 10, Sane and Coleman would be my choice out wide, and then Harry Kane up front. That's what I would look to do with, with what they have, if they can land Polina. Um, but I don't think, as, as currently constituted, they ho- hold any kind of real threat. I don't think any of the Serie A clubs do either. Milan have definitely improved. I still think City would beat them comfortably. I think Inter got worse. I think City would beat them comfortably, though the final was obviously quite a close affair. And I think Napoli got worse. I think they got worse in terms of their players by losing Kim and not replacing him with a ready-made addition. And I'm just not keen on the new manager. So I, I think Napoli will will struggle to match them. And then there's the two big clubs in Spain. You've got Real and you've got Barca. Barca on paper can put together a team that could trouble City. You've got Marc-Andre Ter Stegen in goal. He is outstanding. He is absolutely outstanding. Canseo at right back. Balde at left back. Now, can Canseo play against City in the Champions League? I don't know. Somebody let me know what the situation is there. In the middle, you've got Arejo, that big, dominant, powerful, front-footed defender. And next to him, you've got Jules Kunde, that smaller, better man marker, good cover defender. That as a back four could be strong. Defensively, it gets stronger if Kunde goes to right back and Christensen comes in to play next to Arejo. Up front, you've got Lewandowski, who's obviously just guaranteed goals. You've got Joe Felix in on loan. You've got Rafinha. You've got Ferran Torres. Lamine Yamal, the young 16-year-old, looks like a star. There's decent options up front for them. The concern I have is midfield. Now, I love Ilke Gundogan. I think he's a phenomenal player. So you've got him. You've got Frankie de Jong. You've got Pedri and you've got Gavi. So you've got four really good midfielders. Really good midfielders. I just don't know that any of them are good enough and mobile enough at protecting the defence. Gundigan can protect a defence as that sitter. But you lose what he offers going forward and he's not the most mobile. Frankie's quite lightweight. Pedri's lightweight. And Gavi, he's tiny. He will give absolutely everything. He's like a little wrecking ball, but he does bounce off people. So my concern with them is the lack of a real holding midfielder. I know they signed Romeo. Ariel Romeo is not a Barcelona caliber player. It's a small squad as well. And I do have concerns over injuries. As for Real Madrid, I'm not, I'm not overly keen on anything other than the midfield. I think they've got 
the best group of midfielders in the world. Jude Bellingham, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Eduardo Camavinga, Fede Valverde, and Aurelien Chiumeni. I don't think anyone can match them in the middle of the park. But with Thibaut Courtois out for the season and Kepa in goal, that's a mediocre goalkeeper. I don't like any of the right backs at the club. The best left back at the club is David Alaba, who's also the second best centre back. And if he's needed at left back, then you've got a pair of Militao, who I do like and is their best centre back, with Antonio Rudiger, who I just don't like at all. I just don't like him at all. Now you've got Nacho, he can step in. You've got Danny Carvalho, uh, Danny Carvalho, rather, he can step in. You've got Fran Garcia, he can play. You've got Ferland Mendy. So if it's Mendy left back, Alaba left side centre back, Militao right side centre back, then it's only really the right back position that's a weak point in the defence, other than the goalkeeper, obviously. The problem is I think they'll play Militao right back quite a bit and play Rudiger, and Rudiger to me is a train wreck. Up front, obviously Vinicius is, is incredible. He's one of the best players on the planet. Rodrigo is good. But after that, I'm not a huge Brahim Diaz fan. Arda Guler is super talented, but he's very young and he's out injured for a while. There's no recognisable nine other than Jocelyn, who's, with respect, not nearly good enough to be playing for this club. This is a footballing journeyman. I know he had a good year last year with Espanyol. I know he did. I know he did well with Alaves for three years before that. But that's not Real Madrid. This is, this is very, very different. Very, very different. And I just, I don't see it happening with him up front. Now, we all know why they haven't signed a striker. It's because they're waiting on Mbappe. But it feels a little bit like they're writing off this season. That's how it feels to me, is that they're writing off this season. And I think that's a mistake. We'll see what happens. They might add a striker in January. Maybe they find someone on loan. But for now, I don't see them as a real threat to City. United are not a threat. Newcastle, in a one-off game, Newcastle could cause them problems by spoiling a lot. But with the new rules around at a time, the game will end up in 140 minutes. And Arsenal will, will soil themselves because that's what Arsenal do. So I don't expect Arsenal to be any real threat to them either, even though Arsenal should advance from their group in the Champions League. So I think City win the Champions League. In the League Cup, I am going to pick. Let's see. Let's see. Where's the draw? Here we go. Bradford, Middlesbrough, no. Exeter, Luton, no. Ipswich, Wolves, no. Mansfield, Peterborough, no. Port Sutton, no. Salford, Burnley, no. United, Palace, no. Villa, Everton, no. Blackburn, Stoke, no. Brentford, Arsenal. Arsenal are obviously a potential winner. 
Brighton, Fulham. If Brighton can get past, sorry, Brighton, Chelsea. If Brighton can get past Chelsea, potentially Brighton could win this. I'm going to predict Newcastle to win the win the League Cup, but they've got to beat City in the next round. But I'm going to pick them anyway. I'm going to pick them to go one better than they did last year in that competition and win the final. Because if they win this game, there's no one in it they should be scared of. They beat City on the 27th. There's no one in it for them to be scared of. And I think they win it. And then in the FA Cup... Hmm... I don't think City will do the treble again. They could, but I don't think they will. I'm going to back my team. I'm going to back my team to do a cup double. I'm going to say Liverpool win the FA Cup. So City win the Champions League. Liverpool win the Europa. Villa win the Conference League. All three coming to England. FA Cup, Liverpool, League Cup, Newcastle. And there's my predictions for the year. We'll take a break. When we come back, news and gossip. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, I suppose the biggest news is that Luis Rubiales has resigned as president of the Spanish FA, finally bringing an end to some of this circus that he created Hopefully the healing can start from here. There's still a lot more that needs to be fleshed out. There's obviously now a legal case as well. But the Spanish FA have embarrassed themselves here. And you would hope that they can realize the errors of their ways and go about rectifying some of the issues. Um... Steve Clark says Scotland versus England will gauge Scottish progress. The Republic of Ireland are, well, not very good at all. And uh, pressure is starting to build on Stephen Kenny. I don't see him being the Ireland manager past this qualifying campaign. Um, He's been unfortunate with injuries and COVID and different things, but... It just hasn't worked. But what he has done, and I'll always be be happy to give him credit on this, the results haven't been good. Right? There's no, no way around that. Stephen Kenny, as Irish manager, the results have not been good. But he has brought along a lot of young talent. He's won 10 of 36 games, to give you just the, the actual numbers. He's been manager since the 4th of April 2020. He's won 10 of 36 games, 15 defeats. But there's a lot of real talent in the squad now. Gavin Basunu, Cuevin Kelleher, Mark Travers. That's just goalkeepers. Three really good young keepers. In defence, you've got Nathan Collins, Andrew Omabamadeli, Festi Obaselli. You've got um, Enda McNally, who can come along into this group. Abankwa, James Abankwa, the kid at Udinese, Cahill Heffernan. Like all of these kids have been 
developing through the Irish system for a couple of years and hopefully more of them can start being brought into the squad. And I'm uh, sorry, Dara O'Shea, another one that's done well under Stephen Kenny and developed quite well. So there's a decent crop of defenders. One I'm hopeful kind of finds his way again this season is Teo Adaramola, the young left back who's at Crystal Palace. He was sent on loan to Coventry last season and then it didn't really work at all and he was back by like the start of September. And then he didn't kick a ball all season. I don't know what the exact situation is, but I do think he's very talented. And I'm hopeful that he'll get some opportunities. In midfield, Jason Knight, very, very promising. Will Smallbone is decently talented. Jason Malumbi, I do quite like. Josh Cullen, he is 27, but he's become an important player under this manager. Um, there isn't a great crop of midfielders around, unfortunately, so we're kind of having to make do. But in attack, obviously, you've got Evan Ferguson, you've got Troy Parrott, Michael Obafemi, Tom Cannon. Now, they need to get him capped and ensure that he is going to be an Irish international. Um, they can't afford to lose out on him. So I do think he's a very, very talented young player. I do think he's one that would be of huge benefit to the squad. And then the other one is Nathan Frazier. He's the other one I want to see brought in and capped. He's the young kid at Wolves that scored in their recent League Cup win over Blackpool. Um, You've got Adam Aday, who I like. You've got Sinclair Armstrong, who looks a real player at QPR. There's a couple of others as well, like Trent Coney Doherty at Liverpool. He's only a kid, but he's got real potential to be a very, very good player for the national team. There's a bunch of young kids in the uh, James the Banquet is the kid's name. He's at Charlton. Oh, he's on loan from Udinese. <clears throat> okay, he's on. I thought that's great for me. It means I can keep a close eye on him. Very, very much looking forward to getting to see him play. League One is a decent level for him to really make his his step up. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, who else stands out? Zach Gilson, he looks quite a good player. Rocco Vata at Celtic, he looks exciting. Andrew Moran is the midfielder I've got a lot pinned on as, as an attacking midfielder. He's on loan at Blackburn from Brighton. Keep an eye on him. Um, and one that I just I have a personal interest in is a young kid called Sam Curtis who is only 17 plays for St. Patrick's Athletic, St. Patrick's Athletic at home well here obviously um, he's had trials with Roma and Bayer Leverkusen and he's turned down moves because he thinks he's better off staying and playing in the League of Ireland. And I happen to agree. He's only 17. He's a kid. He doesn't turn 18 till December. Um, he's from my hometown of Navan. So I've I've got a real investment in, in him becoming a great player because I, I really want to see him do well. I really, really want to see him do well. 
I think he's excellent. And I'm hopeful that he can he can kick on. Now, there's another... He's got a brother called Ben Curtis, um, who's very, very talented as well. So he might be one to keep an eye on. Now, he is currently kind of taking a break from football um, to focus on his mental health. He's very, very highly regarded as well. Not quite as highly rated as his brother, but his brother is seen as a kind of a very unique talent. So, yeah, they're just some some names to keep an eye on. And I think Stephen Kenny deserves huge credit because I do think the national team is in a much better state now than it was before he took over. Uh, Gareth Southgate talked Kyle Walker out of retirement. England were awful at the weekend from from the bits that I saw and what I read. And I saw uh, kind of extended clips, shall we say, and everything about it looked awful. Um, why Jordan Henderson is starting, I have no idea. The fella can't play football anymore, hasn't been able to in years. England have so many better players, and there he is, just playing a full 90. Oh, good players are getting taken off, and he's been left on. Bizarre. Paul Pogba considered retirement over blackmail plot. Rob Page is under pressure as Wales face a vital tie in Latvia. There's a really good piece by Phil McNulty about the Scotland-England rivalry, so do check that one out. Anthony is to delay his Manchester United return uh, because of obviously what's going on and three different women now accusing him of of different things. So um, I, my assumption is he's been suspended and they're just framing it as, oh, he's not coming back just yet. But I think he has been suspended. Um, Hansi Flick was sacked as manager of Germany, so it'll be interesting to see who they who they line up because the German national team is a, is a bit of a train wreck at the moment as well. Not nearly as bad as the Irish one, but you know we're we're far more um, far more grounded in our expectations. The Germans expect to win every game, every tournament. And they don't have a team or a squad or even on the 21 squad that suggests in the next three tournaments they're going to be ready. But we'll wait and see. Um, obviously, they've got the Euros next summer. So that should be a, it should be a big, a big talking point for them. Uh, on to the gossip then. Newcastle have made significant progress in talks to extend the contract of Bruno Gomerich. And the agreement is now close, according to the spoofer with the catchphrase. Chelsea and Manchester City made inquiries regarding Gamerish, whose contract runs until 2026. Rangers have sounded out Graham Potter as a potential replacement for Michael McBeal. Uh, hardly going to get rid of McBeal already. Brought him in, spent a bowl of money, hasn't gone, hasn't gone badly, hasn't gone great, but. I would imagine Mick Beale sees out the season. I don't see I don't see reason to fire him now. I don't I don't think you react that way this early. I mean, I know they've lost twice in the league. The up, upset against Kilmarnock, and then they lost Celtic, but Celtic are just better than them. You know, they're still in the League Cup. They went out of the Champions League, but they went out to PSV Eindhoven, who are a better team than them. 
and they're in the Europa League and uh, the yeah the Europa League. And they should progress from that group. They should progress over Sparta Prague and Aris Limassol. So I don't really think you react by firing them now. Arsenal and Liverpool are among the clubs tracking 18-year-old Norway winger Antonio Nusa, who rejected the chance to join Chelsea late in the window. So it says he's got good head in his shoulders, very much career-driven, superb young player. Huge, huge talent. Uh, only 18, only turned 18 in April. So very, very young, but very, very talented. Adrian Rabio has ruled out a return to Paris Saint-Germain and is happy at the Italian side. Uh, I don't know that he'd been linked to Paris Saint-Germain, but, you know, it's always good for him to rule it out. Uh, Yuri Telemans is unhappy at his lack of playing time uh, for Aston Villa, having joined the club from Leicester in the summer. Uh, the situation is not pleasant. Yeah. Thielemans apparently had some words in his press conference before Belgium's most recent game. I, look, there's going to be a lot of games coming up. He'll get game time. He just needs to kind of wait it out. Brighton are aiming to secure Karu Matoma on a new contract by the end of the year. Costa Simicus is set to sign a two-year extension to remain in Liverpool until 2027. He's signing a new contract to protect his value. No other reason. Manchester United would like to offload Donny van de Beek before the transfer window closes in Turkey next week. They've had all summer. They've got nobody to blame other than themselves. Chelsea intervened to prevent Wolves from signing Habib Diara from their sister club, Salzburg. This is where this multi-club ownership model has its flaws. The best move for Habib Diara, who's a huge talent, is Wolves. It's not Chelsea. Because at Chelsea, there's already a logjam of young midfielders. And there's midfielders already out on loan and a bunch at the club who are barely going to play this year. So the best move for him would have been to go to Wolves in the summer transfer window. And Chelsea just been able to say no because they've got the same owner is is not really an acceptable um, course of action. Former England striker Andy Carroll said he had offers to stay in England before deciding to join French League Two side Amiens. I love seeing English players go abroad at any point in their career. Andy Carroll's a busted flush, but like, you know, he, he gave his all for Reading. He actually tried, threw himself into it, um. So yeah, good luck to him. I, I hope he does really, really well. Chelsea midfielder Romeo Lavia has suffered an ankle injury during training, and the club is awaiting the results of a scan to discover the extent of the injury. I, I do hope it's nothing serious. He's a young player. He's super talented. I hope it's nothing serious. Jaden Sancho is facing a battle to regain the support of his Manchester United teammates as well as Eric Ten Hag following his angry reaction to being dropped. He didn't have an angry reaction to being dropped. He had an angry reaction to the manager coming out and saying he hadn't trained well. This is from Mark Ogden, and I wouldn't believe a word this fella has to say. This is the same journalist who kissed David Moyes' arse while Moyes was there, became a trusted confidant of Moyes in the press, and when Moyes was sacked, was the first one to stick the knife in. 
So I wouldn't really have any respect for him as a journalist at all. Uh, Manchester City approached Barcelona about the possibility of signing Alejandro Balde. Uh, it looks like he's going to sign a new contract, so he should be staying at Barca a long time. Uh, former Spain and Real Madrid striker Raul is considering an offer to take over as manager of Villarreal, who sacked Kike, Se- Kike Setien after a poor start to the season. Um, I believe Pachetta is the new manager there. Uh, I'm sure it'll be confirmed as we go through these days of gossip. Um Borussia Dortmund plan to to launch a fresh move to re-sign Jadon Sancho in January if he fails to make peace with Eric Ten Hag. Arsenal are currently planning talks with Martin Odegaard over a new contract. And you know that Odegaard has looked at the Rice deal and he's looked at the Sackett deal and he's rubbing his hands together because he's going in to ask for more. He's asking for more than both of them because he's older and more proven than Sackett. He's better than Rice, and he's the club captain. Real Madrid are interested in signing Julian Alvarez. Must be time for Julian Alvarez to get a new contract at City. Uh, Saudi Pro League Director of Football Michael Imanello says the league will close no doors in its pursuit of Mohamed Salah. It's such a funny thing. He's the Director of Football for the league. So he's the PIS appointed person who basically kind of handles as many of the deals as possible for the big four. So at the moment, there's obviously people saying, oh, well, it's not just Al-Itihad, but Al-Hilal will have interest in him next summer as well. That's fine. That doesn't mean more money for Liverpool. That means more money for Salah. So what will happen is those two clubs will bid against each other for him to sign a contract with them. But only one of them will be allowed bid to Liverpool because only one club, well, only one organisation actually makes the bids, which is the PIF. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is brilliant. Ali had looked at Richarlison as an alternative to Salah. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that that might be his age in planting that story because he, he's going to look like he's got a tough time getting back in the team. Rodri has said football authorities need to take control of the exodus of players to Saudi Pro League. I look forward to Rodri making the move in four years. Chelsea are looking into strengthening the centre-forward options in the January transfer window with Ivan Tony, Ollie Watkins and Benjamin Sesko all targets. I think they end up with Sesko. I did see Sesco's goal at the weekend. It's a stunner. It's not as go- good as a similar goal scored by Davor Sucre, though, uh, many years ago with Real Madrid. From a similar spot, narrower angle, a little bit further out. And obviously it's not as good as a Van Basten goal, but it's a hell of a goal. It is a hell of a goal. Juventus striker Dusan Vlahovic could be available in the next transfer window. Uh, he's been available in the last one and the one before, so it's possible. Scotland's charge to the brink of Euro 2024 could persuade Harvey Barnes to change his international allegiance away from England to join Steve Clark's squad. I didn't realise Harvey Barnes was eligible. His maternal grandparents were born there. He's only played for England once. 
He came on for, was it 14 minutes? 14 minutes plus stoppage time against Wales. If I was him, I'd jump at that. I'd jump at that and go play for Scotland. You're only 25. That's a very talented Scotland squad. Some really good young players there. You've got Kieran Tierney. You've got Nathan Patterson. You've got Aaron Hickey. Obviously, you've still got uh, Andy Robertson. You've got Calvin Ramsey to come into that. So a lot of good good young defenders. Not as many good young centre-backs, but there's a few. There's a few. Kerr Smith is one to keep an eye on. Uh, midfield, you've got McTominay. You've got Billy Gilmore. You've got Lewis Ferguson. Hayden Hackney will come into that group as well. Elliot Anderson will come into that group. David Turnbull is very good. Up front, it's not great. It's not great. You've got Che Adams. I do like Ryan Christie. Obviously, Callum McGregor is another one in midfield. Uh, The attacking options aren't great, so he would automatically walk in and start for them. And I think he'd do quite well. I do. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain midfielder Julian Draxler has agreed to join... Qatari side Alali. Um, a decent move for him. He retired years ago anyway. Newcastle will open talks with Fabian Schaar over a new contract. Liverpool are lining up a move for Andre in the January transfer window. Former Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger rejected the chance to sign Federico Valverde, who is now valued at £100 million. In 2016, before he joined Real Madrid. Um, I don't know who this journalist is, but I'm, I'm going to say it's not true, to be completely honest. If, it's, if this journalist is claiming that he's just come across information after seven years and like I don't know who the journalist is, then I'm just not gonna believe him. Um Sheffield United are considering signing Andre Ayu, who's a free agent after leaving Nottingham Forest. He hasn't been good in years, I wouldn't sign him. Uh Jamaica striker Andre get Andre Gray, formerly of Watford and Burnley is set to sign for Saudi Arabian side Al Rihad on a free transfer. Okay, fair play. And then the final day's gossip. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp wants Naif Agard, but will face competition from Manchester City. No, he won't, because City have Gvardiol and Aki as their left-footed centre-backs. They're not going to sign another. I do very much like Naif Agard. If he can stay fit this season, I'd be all in on that move. Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has rejected the chance to take charge of Norway's women's national team. I mean, look, the, the fact that he's been out of football now for near two years and nobody wants to give him a decent job. Now, look, no offence to the Norwegian women's national team. I'm talking about a club job. It, it says it all. How was he United manager for as long as he was? Real Madrid are targeting Alfonso Davies next summer. I don't think they can afford him if they're also signing Mbappe. Even with Mbappe arriving on a free, I don't think they can afford him. Chelsea, Barcelona and Bayern Munich all tried to sign Marco Verratti from Paris Saint-Germain this summer. Um, Cameron Smith is a spoofer, so we'll just mark that down as lies. Uh, obviously, Verratti is set to go to, to Qatar. Um, 
Eric Ten Hag is due to speak to Jaden Sancho on Monday for the first time since the manager accused the winger of not doing enough to merit a place. The fact it's taken this long for them to speak is a bit bizarre because they should have both been at training while the national teams were away. Sancho doesn't get the time off just because he's not away with the national team. He might get a couple of days, doesn't get the full week. Tottenham are on the verge of signing Hadjik splits Luka Vuskovic. Now, he is meant to be a huge prospect, 16-year-old defender. He wouldn't be able to join until 2025. It'd be a great signing for them. Uh, Barcelona boss Xavi is set to sign a new contract at the club this week. Aston Villa are keen to sign Alex Bayena from Villarreal. I think that's just a lazy link because he played under Emery. Inter Milan rejected approaches from Liverpool, Newcastle and Chelsea for Nicolo Barella. No, they didn't. Portugal midfielder Joao Polini has told Fulham he wants to leave the club for Bayern Munich in January after a summer move collapsed. Everybody knew that was going to happen. So it's no surprise. And that's it. That's all I have for today, folks. Thank you as always. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.